See that lady? Bike theft. She's calling the cops. This is Mimi Marth, part of the Eyes and Ears Patrol of Hartford, Connecticut. There's 126 of regular people like you and me working together against crime. Here's another one. Albert Bell. Yesterday, it was his turn to patrol. Halfway down a block, Albert sees a strange man nosing around a Barnett's basement window. Gray jacket. So, Albert calls the cops. Fast. And the cops pick the guy up fast. Way to go, Albert. You know, when it comes to preventing crime, people like Mamie and Albert really make a difference. So could a person like you. Find out more. Write to Box 6600, Rockville, Maryland, and help uh, take a bite out of crime. Willing to rewatch a movie. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Quick, quick, quick. Strawberry banana. Hey, Please don't aggregate this. Lillard, long range three. Their defense is atrocious. Atrocious. I'm sort of the rock star. Right on the cowboy. People. Tiso is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. You know, we love China. We love the plan there. It comes a dunk. Shut up and listen. You think you're better than me? All right. So we left off last week talking about this sort of pivotal scene um we're at the olympics where moira just kind of lets it all hang out they're at dinner and she tells her father you know i all i've ever wanted is is for you to love me and how she never felt like she was good enough to to please him and she was never good enough for him and she like apologizes to doug and it's pretty heartbreaking. I guess I would like to go back to the beginning and have you say, win or lose, I could just be your daughter. She she walks away, and I mean it's just uh, one of the it's one of the least warranted and least justified and and necessary apologies in movie history. It's it's absolutely a crime that this woman stood there and and, and even felt that she had to apologize for what has transpired. Yeah, if anything, the three men in the room, Anton, Jack, and Doug, plus two waiters that are just standing in the room being like, we don't know whether to serve drinks or not. They're all like realizing, oh my God, this young woman's psychologically tortured and we are all responsible for basically this woman saying, I've never been happy. Yeah. (laughs) And just being like, I don't know what my life is. Mostly thanks to all of you. I've been miserable my entire life. Yeah. And (laughs) And even more miserable the past two years of it. Yes. And she's like, I got to go. Excuse me. She leaves and Doug's like, I'm going for a walk. Jack is probably going to go make arms sales (laughs) because that's how he mourns. It's just more death destruction. So the Rocketeer here, I know we we briefly talked about this last time. Do you yeah. think it's beginning to dawn on him that he, like, he was the source of all this misery and pain? Um, I mean, this man is clearly a clinical sociopath, if not psychopath. Right. So I'm not entirely sure what is dawning on him uh, in any moment in his life. Although the, the look of pain on, and anguish on his face uh, shortly after... Kate exits the room is certainly I mean again a, a, all credit uh, to Terry O'Quinn the goat the god the legend uh, for just the 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 well of emotion that he can convey in a simple you know facial contortion uh, outstanding stuff but I mean yeah but it's I mean possible he's just looking at the gold medal walk out the door yeah I mean, I it think, could be as simple as that you know I think he's like okay that didn't feel good uh, to hear that. That's that's that makes me feel bad. I've never had that emotion before, uh, that sensation before. But also, there's at least like forty to fifty percent of his brain that is absolutely like frenetically doing calculations about like what this means for the Olympic gold medal and yeah. how much of a chance he still has to obtain it. Um, I'd say at least half of his brain uh, in that moment is, is is still occupied with that. Um, I just also want to note uh, Christian touched on the. Um, 
the white jacketed uh, service staff because uh, I noticed that when uh, when Doug says I'm going for a walk, I'm going for a walk, uh, very very dramatically, uh, and exits the room, we see a wide shot of the room as he leaves, and I noticed, wait, where are those? Where where's that? Where are those service member uh, service oh, staff they took off the second Kate starts saying, <laughs> and I realized happy. I went go. back and scrubbed through, and there's there's literally a shot. If you guys jump to one twenty five, thirty five. There's a shot where the wait, one of the waiter, uh, like waiter guys, you can just see him very discreetly, like like scurry out of the room, <laughs> like a little, like right in the middle of like some extremely loud shouting. Absolutely. You just hear like a little a little door creak open, and then he's just like, "Hey, yeah, to go. Time, time to go." And when yeah. it looks like somebody's about to throw a glass into the fireplace, just three yeah. men shouting at the top yeah. of their lungs for self-preservation. They're like, the "Quote unquote, I, shrimp cocktail." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the southern wing of the estate uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, and and chill there until the the you know service bell dings yep. again. And so yeah, they're all at rock bottom in this scene. Everybody, every character here is in emotional rock bottom. Jack learns that he's been a terrible father after all these years of trying hard. Terrible. Jack <clears throat> is a mess. Kate obviously is a mess because she's just established that she's never been happy for basically her entire life. Anton is probably drunk off Stoli. I don't know how he feels. He's just like, mm, how do I get them? I think Anton's the only one in the room being like, all right, how do I get them to skate fine for me? And I think Doug is realizing that his quench for glory again is now hurting other people. And maybe, maybe he's seeing a little bit of that, like that he's hurt Walt with his ambitions and just being like so uh, blind to his ambitions and hurting everybody else mm. around him. And that yeah. now, yet again, his blind ambition, this time for figure skating, has now blown up in the other interest of uh, love in his life is mm. Kate. So it's like Walt and Kate. He's through his, amb- his, him, his ambition is hurting everyone around him. And yeah, and his utter self-absorption. You know, it's, it's, he's, he's really only ever thinking about himself. Yes. I just want to point out here, one twenty-eight twenty-four. We have a, you know, uh, I'm freeze frame, this uh, ultra wide shot, it's sort of at the top of the room. It's almost like shot from like a security cam. It's the, mm-hmm. the camera is so high. And we have this really blaring light just ripping through the window. And mm. it does feel pretty symbolic, I guess you'd say, like with the mm. way this emotion is just sort of like blasting through the scene. Yeah. Blinding um, truth, yeah. This blinding truth, this sort of like ripping open the shades, and the the yep. sun is just coming through, and it's like yep. sunlight is the best disinfectant. Yeah, everyone is just sort of there's nowhere to hide. Basically, it's all coming out now. Yeah, yeah, it does. It it feels like the morning after, where suddenly like all the all the f- sort of fun and and action of the night before, and you're waking up and you're realizing like. My we've God, made, what, 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 have we all, what have we yeah. all done? Yeah. Yep. So Doug, um, Doug decides he needs to take a walk and get some air. And uh, what do we have here, guys? So we cut to... I mean, this sequence is... Yeah, we, we see all the status of all three people. Moira mm. is outside at a what appears to be a giant castle. <clears throat> yes. Sitting on the ledge, which really is like... You know, don't jump. <laughs> you know, there's, there's got to be somebody downstairs that sees. It's the ledge of a stone wall. Yeah. Okay, she's not on a balcony. No, she's at least a, as far as I can tell. You can't I mean, tell that. That could be really actually, high. You're up. right. You don't. You don't see the. You do see like a bit of a tree branch off to the side. It doesn't look like it's that high, but no. But it's it, like, it is covered know, in snow, so it's, it's an Olympic, odd choice. It's Olympic Village, so you know people there know everyone's on edge, and somebody's walking by and just sees a woman perched at a ledge. Don't jump. Don't do it. But she's got her little. <laughs> a little vest on and and she's keeping warm and just staring into the abyss of winter. That's what Kate's up to. Uh, Doug is just wandering around the Olympic village. Uh, The lonely streets. Lonely streets. I love how for like five seconds of this movie at around 128.46, it suddenly turns into the third man. What kind of a spy do you think you are, Satchel Foot? What are you tailing me for? Cat got your tongue? 
Come on out. Come out, come out, whoever you are. Step out in the light and let's have a look at you. Who's your boss? Uh, it's like all the like suddenly this insane Dutch angle uh, like shot from below, uh-huh. and then yep. the, the next shot we ha- we see Doug walking down this like shiny this like slick shiny black top and this like row of archways. Long and I'm thinking to myself, yep. Paul M. Glazer is literally just like, yeah, I could be Orson Welles. Like, yeah, I got that muscle. Like, boom, just like <laughs> now, flexing, wait, just wait to just second. to show that he can do it. Are we sure that's Doug? I think that's Anton. I think that's Anton walking on the blacktop ice. Uh, well, we I see Doug right. right before the blacktop, um, under like the the lamp post. Um, is that that is Doug? It kind of looks yeah, like Antonish. It could be Anton on the bicycle, though. We don't know. See the bicycle guy? <laughs> yeah, sure. It's uh, you know, that if could that's be the, not Doug, it could be our third man. If that's not Doug, they are playing with fire because <laughs> yeah, Doug is wearing a trench coat. Okay, he's got a trench coat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with that flipped up collar. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, very. Oh, very, uh, he's wearing no, guys. Look at these pants this man is wearing. I'm aware, and he's wearing a heel, like a really nice Extreme boot with a heel. Yeah. baggy, rolled-up cuff pants. Does not seem like Doug. That seems like Anton. Mm. I, I might be wrong. I know that they're kind of playing it's, with it's fire be Doug. here. It's got to be Doug. Doug Could be Rick. Wearing... Could be Rick. Rick may have followed them. <laughs> I like Could be tailing them. See, we don't see his face. To me, this kind of reads as Anton <laughs> is walking to basically get a dossier of information from somebody or Rick. Somebody. Yeah, it's like the opening scene of Mission Impossible. Yeah, it, it really right. is. If that building blew up right now, I'd be like, that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so. Yeah, then we have Moira sitting in the windowsill wearing her oversized Bobby Hall jersey. Okay, hello, Chris. Mm-hmm. We've got a a, a person uh, looking longingly out a window as yep. snow falls. Um, Sounds familiar, folks. Does any this ring any bells for you? <laughs> you are not a, alone. We've got a full-on window yearn. We've got a window yearn. Confirmed. This is a with folks, honors prequel. Folks, take a shot. Have a drink. Yeah. Uh, once again, we are ringing the with honors <laughs> bell. Yes. Perfect. Um, Absolutely, she's looking longingly out the window during I mean, a snowstorm. She, she and could be clear, she, like in a in a dorm, uh, you know, a, a Thayer Hall, at, you know, yeah. Harvard. Uh, For all we know, she's looking down <laughs> at a broken down van in the yeah. courtyard yeah. and thinking that man in that van <laughs> should not be sleeping in there. It's a freezing cold night. Yeah, that dog is uh, not going to survive the night. He possesses my college thesis. Speaking of dogs, uh, you know, Dirty Dog Doug, who has obviously been with a lot of women, is dressed like McGruff the crime dog. Uh, that's Jenny. But that's not Jenny's dad. If she gets into that car, you may be looking at Jenny for the last time. I'm McGruff the crime dog. Let me show you something. See that playground? A lot of kids there. Every day in this country, 60 kids disappear. Some run away, but a lot are kidnapped by strangers or even by people they know. Almost 20,000 kids a year. 20,000 kids, one kid at a time. Maybe your kid on your street, just like Jenny. You know, your kids can learn to protect themselves against crime at home, at school, on the street. Very nice going, Jenny. She's going to tell her folks about this. And you can write to McGruff. Learn how to keep your family and your community safe and help uh, take a bite out of crime. The Sunday Morning Funny starring Laurel and Hardy now continue. <laughs> this whole sequence. Absolutely. He's got this, like, if he's like, if, if it cut to him solving a crime, it'd be like, he's McGruff the di- crime. Dude, yeah, he's got his collar. his collar popped. He's like sipping he's, a coffee in some like late night cafe. Yeah, he's yeah. looking, he's, he's trying to crack the case. He's got the rolled up pant. I mean, look at a picture of McGruff. I'm just saying, <laughs> it's the same as McGruff the crime dog. And for whatever reason, Doug is wandering around the village in in Albertsville, France, dressed like McGruff the Crime Dog. Yeah. Well, you know, he's working through some shit. Yep. So everybody is is, uh, in rough shape. Yeah, they're feeling their feelings. They're thinking their thoughts. And we we get it. So this is overnight. And we cut to the next morning. 
Presumably everyone's gotten some sleep, clear heads have prevailed, and we cut to the, you know, Daddy Warbucks McMansion where they're staying in in France. And I'm not so sure it's a McMansion, Chris. This is like clearly like a 14th century <laughs> castle that, yeah, they're, it's a castle. that they're staying <laughs> yeah. in. What am I saying, yeah. McMansion? This is yeah. a castle. This is this like is stunning, it. like... They definitely like you know canceled all the tours for the weekend to like just you know shack up here for a couple nights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a castle. This is a museum. You know, Renaissance paintings on the walls. Um, <laughs> and we cut to the next morning, and we have a uh, a chauffeur you know moving some bags in and out of the living room out the front door. Doug comes downstairs wearing his his sweater. You know, he's prepared for the day, and we see Moira. She's sort of busily uh, packing the car. Well, she's not. The service staff is, yeah, to be yeah, clear. She, but she, she, <laughs> of course, she, clearly, she wouldn't be doing work like that. She's getting the car packed. Bonjour, mademoiselle. Kate, what's this? I'm going over with my father. Anton has the other car. He'll take you over when you're ready to go. No, I'm talking about the bags. Well, I was going to try and catch the 6.30 flight tonight. She's going to be leaving early. Mm-hmm. She uh, She's packed her bag. She's heading over to the, to the Olympic Coliseum a little early with her father in his car. She's going to be catching an early flight home after they compete tonight. Anton has the other car. He'll take you over when you're ready to go. No, I'm talking about the bags. Well, I was going to try and catch the 6.30 flight tonight. Tonight? After we skate? The house is paid up for two weeks, so feel free to stay as long as you like. Kate, wait. What are you saying? If this isn't by yesterday... I'm retiring. What? This afternoon is my final skate. Kate, come on, look... It'll be fine. You won't have any trouble finding another partner. Of course, they won't have my wonderful slap shot. <laughs> I gotta go get ready. And she tells Doug that she is retiring. Bombshell. Bombshell. This there's afternoon is my final skate. Yeah, there's something very final about Ugh. this moment. Ugh. Like the, the energy that Moira brings to the scene. Yeah. It's also Doug. You know, Doug is, again, sort of. I think he's like sort of wide-eyed and optimistic and hoping that this can be a fresh start. It's, hey, it's a new day. I know last night was sort of like very emotional and hey, we all got some sleep and we're going to wake up and it's going to be a new day. And Moira is, she's decided she's retiring and her energy, it's, you know, she's mentally, emotionally checked out she's broken she's like a corpse really go, just going through inside. the motions one inside. final time it's breakup energy that's what it is it's serious it's like yeah it's like this like wait no i thought we were going out to dinner tonight it's like no 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 like this this is it it's over and yeah. and she's like gracious she, she's like weirdly that's the gracious. most heartbreaking thing is that she is so composed and calm and clear-eyed about and all strong. of it and yeah. letting doug down gently and it's just like it's almost like she's rehearsed this like all like maybe she didn't maybe she stayed up all night maybe she didn't sleep at all because she was rehearsing this performance she's gonna come down completely like she's oh my god she's got makeup on her hair is done perfectly she's like Looks like a you know a, a, yeah. a, an absolute equestrian. vision. She kind of looks like an equestrian. She's got yeah, she does equestrian vibes. She's got her Greenwich gear on. That's yes. for sure. She's um, about to go back to uh, high society to find herself. But she says, "Doug, you'll be fine. You won't have trouble finding another partner." Of uh, course, they won't have. Uh, so partner. sad to hear that. And yeah. she's uh, like, you know, we have this castle for another two weeks. Take your time. Have yeah. a good time here. You're going to do great. I'm just going to go home early. My career's over. And she's just so sort of like <laughs> um, good with it. You know, yeah. like she's like so at peace with everything. And it's devastating because we are clearly Doug here seeing the scene through Doug's eyes, which is like, wait, no, like he loves you. You love him. You just can't admit it yet. Mm-hmm. And she And she is just over it. She's just over it, and she's not allowing herself to be hurt anymore, and it's devastating. It's so devastating because she's so gracious and composed. It basically forswears like any possibility of like a conversation. Like, there's nothing Doug could possibly say or do at this point to like 
convince her or like negotiate with her. If he tried to make his like you know big emotional uh, you know I love you speech now, it just like it wouldn't like the timing wouldn't work. He's just like like she she just like nipped it all in the bud and she's like nope like this is what it is and like this is my final skate and then and it's quite over. frankly it's... she has every right to quit i mean her her speech that established yeah. why she's no longer happy you're like yeah yeah, yeah. and like every if only she had done this 10 years ago if only yeah, she had had the 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 you know the agency and the and the self-confidence to to realize this so much sooner but yeah i mean but doug doesn't really get to think too hard about this because whammo right to the olympics long program night uh, that is, we go from Doug uh, yet again being emotionally checked into the glass to we are in game time, baby. It's long program night. This yep. this funk disco score with like the slap bass and the and the the blaring staccato horns going. I'm like, I am. It's it's game time. I am amped up yep. when I hear that music. Yep, and the crowd are colorful too. We see little flashes of the crowd and. It is like Nickelodeon colors in that crowd. <laughs> yeah. Wearing slime green and hot pink. This crowd is uh, feeling it. It's a big night and everyone's there to uh, enjoy some spectacular programs. And again, like the, the spotlights like roving around the spandex. Uh, I'm reminded yet again that this is, in fact, the same man that directed The Running Man. <laughs> We cut to the ice. Everyone, you know, the, the crowd is like you said, Ben, just really enjoying the show. Everyone's having a good time. We see Moira stretching off in the side, and she and Doug, you know, are preparing to take the ice in just a few moments. We catch the tail end of Brian Newman and Pekarovsky's performance. The commentators note that they're well positioned to, you know, receive a medal. And so basically, you know, um, things are going according to plan. You know, it's, it's, it's status quo, I would say. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And Anton senses this moment that something's off. He senses the energy is just weird between Moira and Doug. He is sensing some sort of defeated energy. And he tries to rally the troops. Do you know what I think would be wonderful? If you would go out there today and skate for these people the way I have seen you skate. Enjoy each other. The spirit you give. Jaleo One last pep talk from wily old Anton. You know what I think would be wonderful? If you would go out there today and skate for these people the way I have seen you skate, enjoy each other, and Anton kisses them both on the cheek very well, softly. Right before the kiss, he also mutters some inscrutable mystical riddle in Believe Russian. Me, I, um, I tried. I tried so hard this. to Google I, that. So, I'm I, trying uh, to type phonetically. Yeah. Boy, it's, it turns out Russian is uh, very hard to to try to, to, to Google just uh, based on your uh, ear if you are not fluent in it. Um, yes, I'm not speak Russian. Uh, but I assume I have to assume that it's it's some kind of uh, secret code that will unlock the final page of the Pamchenko Dark Scrolls <laughs> and give Doug and Kate the final clue they need to uh, you know obtain the Grail of Eternal Life. Yeah, perhaps uh, that's, that's, unlock that's my sleeper agents, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, it could be. Kate, uh, <laughs> who have been slowly uh, brainwashed through his KGB techniques and now he's yeah. muttering two phrases to kill the president. <laughs> it's a, it's <laughs> definitely a Manchurian candidate phrase. <laughs> Just two, two that he's words. whispering into their ears yep. before kissing them on the cheek. Yep, before Doug runs into the stand and toe picks like a Russian, like an American <laughs> ambassador in the neck. Some and you're diplomat. Like, oh my God, that hockey man, what happened? Folks, he was brainwashed. Yeah. But no, he, he whispers something loving and sweet to Doug and Kate and just says, does. I, I am hoping that you can put aside all this nervous tension of sorts. Uh, and whatever you're going through about not being happy and whatever you're going through, Doug, about, you know, feeling bad about where you are, just skate like you like doing it. He's basically yeah. saying, yeah, go have fun. Incredibly, you know, that's a great point, Christian. We do not see any signs of vomit from Doug. We know he's famous for his per- performance anxiety. And suddenly mm. 
that is all gone. His attention is elsewhere. And you know this is a man that is truly in love. Yeah. Because suddenly his attention is not on himself. It's on someone else who he loves more than himself. Ooh, He's past yeah. his vomit. He's past his, his performance anxiety. His attention now is squarely on Moira, who is lost. She's in a trance. And his attention is on winning her back. And so they're getting ready to take the ice. Doug is clearly very uncomfortable. There's something on his mind. Yeah. And Moira asks, what's the matter? Are you all right? What's the matter? Nothing. Are you all right? Fine. But he is clearly not fine. No. And she knows that he's not. She, she, you know, she, she's been with this man night and day for the past two years. She can, you know, sense immediately that... Something is up. There's indeed something brewing inside, deep inside him. But uh, it's not. It's not vomit, as you it's said. It's not vomit. It's and not then... vomit. And also, it's important to note that this is also the first time, as all this Anton lovey-dovey stuff is happening, and Doug's starting to try to get words out. We're also seeing the Russians skate for the first time. These are the two skaters, Smilkov, Smilkov, and um, <clears throat> what's the Brushkin and Brushkin. And I got to say, I don't know about you. They're both, they basically come out in uh, what can only be described as Siegfried and Roy attire. Yeah, it is fully, very, there. yeah. Fully Especially Siegfried with the blonde hair. Yep, yeah. Fully Siegfried and Roy. And I don't know the about you, satin. we only see a flash of their performance, but I am underwhelmed. Like, yeah. we have heard so much about these, these, the secret surprise that the Russians are dropping their best skaters. And it's smooth. But I'm just having a hard time buying that this is bye-bye gold medal. Um, you know, I actually well. preferred Lori and uh, Brian, the, mm. the flash we saw of them. Felt more chemistry from, from that program, if I'm being honest. Well, you know those Russians. They they are just cold killing machines. You know, there's there's no there's no blood in those veins. They uh-huh. are just, you know, technically perfect, you know, efficient uh, machines, you know, so... Um, I also think they just, they took the bait, Christian, like we talked about last time, where they figured this was in the bag for them, the Russians. Yep. They they mm. figured, like, hey, we don't have to do anything special. This is not a, uh, this is not like a, a, a Johnny... Johnny Mosley. Hi, I'm Johnny Mosley! I'm a freestyle skier who won the gold medal at the Olympics. No... Not this last one. The one in 98. The Olympics in Nagano. The good Olympics. This is not a Johnny Mosley moment. Like, we don't have to, we don't have to do anything extraordinary. Mm-hmm. We just have to do, just give them the, the, the bland, basic thing, and, yep. and, and the gold will be ours. Yep, and, and I feel like Anton successfully created a phantom boogeyman, uh, right. created a crisis in order to mold yeah. his his disciples into skating machines and uh yeah, yeah so anyways we get to see them a little bit and i also think it's important to note that we start to get a little glimpse of doug and kate's attire for this routine mm-hmm. uh, we, we've seen several times throughout this movie doug trying to like push it in one direction and kate trying to push it in a more kind of sparkly vibe and what we land on is a, a rather dark ensemble uh, seems like doug is wearing a a dark black slack. Uh, he's got dark skates, a puffy white shirt with some, uh, some little bit accents of black slashes. And I could only think that this is the kind of attire that would be approved by the management of the waitstaff of High Steakhouse. That is a waitstaff <laughs> outfit at High Steakhouse. Okay, when it comes to amazing service, amazing food, and unbelievable location, well, you can't get much better than High's Steakhouse in Waikiki. This means a lot to me here. And Mark Nezu is here to talk to us more. Mark, you know, as the general manager, you guys are celebrating a milestone right around the corner. And, and talk about that anniversary and, and how much it means to you guys. First off, Taizo, it's great to have you here mm-hmm. today. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm. Uh, 40 years, you know, wow. we're blown away. So few restaurants get to realize a milestone mm-hmm. 40 years in business. Uh, and for us, we just wanted to express our appreciation to the visitors, but more importantly, people of Hawaii who supported us for 
40 years. Yeah. No, it's amazing. We were chatting. I remember uh, six years old coming with my mom and my dad. They had their first anniversary here when we first arrived to the islands. And I come back here. You have some waiters that still recognize me when I was a young kid. What is it like for you to see people come back? Their kids have now grown up. I'm bringing my son here. I mean, it's really a testament to what you guys do, but also the service, the food, everything. Sure. sure. It's it's for us, for myself, my staff. It's, it's an honor and privilege to be a part of uh, people's celebrations, mm -hmm. their birthdays, their anniversaries, graduations, mm -hmm. um, and you know some of our longtime servers. We've got to serve children who've now grown up and brought their children in uh, for family dinners mm -hmm. and special occasions. Hi, it's quality. It's got like a little bit of edge that almost looks like a like a Jackson Pollock paint, paint splatter, you know, yes, on the uh, yes. on the left shoulder, so uh, you know, a little fun. dash it's of got black. Some fun going. But yeah, and, so it's a little bit yeah. less, less flashy than I expected. You know what yeah. it reminds me a little bit of is um, not the Toronto Raptors, but really the Memphis Grizzlies, the claw. The claw. Um, mm. The claw that like when there's the jersey that has the claw marks combed mm -hmm. through it. Mm -hmm. uh, if you if you look on Doug's uh, shoulder, you see just these black like stripes. Um, yeah. Yeah. They don't like rip, like rip marks. Yeah. 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 Yes. And meanwhile, uh, Kate has kind of like a like a black swan look going. Um, yes. Like her hair is very like kind of like she's got a couple little like spikes like I don't know exactly know what they are if they're like chopsticks or something like that not obviously not that but like some kind of little uh, like you know inserts in her in her hair which is like kind of pulled up but it's like a little like greasier it's not like flowing it's kind of like punk ro punk I think rock Black and Swan is of... a very good I think very much Black Swan because yeah, we got these you. white swans and the Russians on the ice and we're about to get some black swan yeah, coming out coming right. out right after that. Here it is. It happens. It is. Doug says <sighs> speech. Kate. Guys, let I'm me just sorry. tell you right now, sorry, before we even <laughs> okay. dive into it, I'm going to just lay it out right here and say this for my money is one of the best I love you speeches in movie history. Let me tell you what I do. Every day I come by your house and I pick you up. We go out, we have a few drinks and few laughs and it's great you know what the best part of my day is it's for about 10 seconds from when i pull up to the curb when i get to your door because i think maybe i'll get up there and i'll knock on the door and you won't be there no goodbye no see you later no nothing I'm just left i don't know much but i know that i totally agree i totally <laughs> agree because i mean folks we're getting to the end of this film and this I Love You really is like not only like act three, it is like the end of the film. <laughs> like we, yeah. Doug really holds on to this. Uh, this is like I've missed the last five chances to do this and now and which is in itself perfect because like again, the thing I keep going back to for all of the like insanity of the premise of this movie and of, you know, the the move that they perform at the end of the movie. Like the dialogue and the characterization is actually like incredibly like believable and dramatic and, and dramatic, but but like in a way that kind of makes you like that that sort of sweeps you up and 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 you know pulls you in because you actually there's not one of those again like those in so many dumb romantic comedies there's a piece of dialogue or there's a, a moment that just doesn't fucking make sense. Like there, there, there's always these shortcuts where like they have to just be like, not nah, like we're going to just uh, get rid of logic for a minute here. Uh, and this character is going to say something that they would have no reason to say uh, that just completely works against their own self-interest or they're going to, you know, hide some vital piece of information, whatever it is. Like there's always these little like dumb, like pitfalls that, uh, that that screenwriters fall into. But this movie doesn't do that. There isn't a single moment where I'm like, oh, come on, that's corny. Or like, oh, come on, like that's that he wouldn't do. Like This scene is the opposite of corny. It is so hook, line, and sinker. Like when the way he finally says, I love you. Yeah. Like, I don't care. You could be the steeliest person on earth and you're still like, my heart just melted a little bit. It really yes. is. It's really... <laughs> I was like, honestly, so first let's take, I think we got to break this scene down. That's how important yeah, yeah. it is. We, we're going line. Can I just say one thing? Cause sure, there's an important it. moment happening in real time right now, which is, you know, in Hollywood, there's a big strike mm. uh, and writers are fighting for fair paying compensation. And I think this is a great opportunity just to say like the writing here is, is stellar. Like Tony fucking Tony Gilroy. Gilroy. 
the the performances are great and the writing by Tony Gilroy is airtight. Yeah, it's yeah. airtight. This is, this is an it really lead. is. This is great writing. Great writers yeah. know how to build tension. They all your favorite lines. Your actors are. Uh, I mean, look, great actors can sometimes elevate a scene, but ultimately the writing here is. Is the bones. If there's a weird line or a clunker or whatever, it just, again, it just snaps you out of the, the dream state, uh, that, you know, uh, the best that, that a great movie, you know, uh, pulls you into. And, and I also think great writing actually like inspires you and this is, you know, movies, plays, these are fantasies. It's not real life. You know, you're very, you're, you're very aware that you're not watching a documentary film, but what great writing does is allows you to suspend your disbelief and say, it doesn't matter that this is pretend because what I'm watching is so captivating. I know what it feels like to be in this moment. I can relate to this moment. And my God, these people are like, I'm watching poetry in motion. Yeah. And, and this, this, the, writing the writing is, is great. great. The writing is great because also, if you mention the film Cutting Edge to most people, from a certain age, they will all tell you, I love that movie. Everybody. And like, that's a movie from 1992 that has legs that continues to like, and it's like on a, on a, on a kind of a subject matter that most people don't care about. <laughs> Figure skating and yeah. hockey are two sports that are very niche. And the fact that it has this really, uh, a warm soft spot in almost every person's heart who grew up in the nineties and, that's just a quality of, of the storytelling, the characters that are built here and the way D.B. Sweeney and Moira Kelly both play this. It's, it's great. It's yeah. A great movie. All right. Let's dive into the dialogue and what happens and what's said. Okay. So we get Doug starting out first uh, apologizing. Kate, I'm sorry. I, my timing. I know it stinks, but I just keep thinking this, this thing with us, it's going to go away. I keep thinking if I can just keep moving and, and, and checking, I'll get clear. But do you understand what I'm telling you? Kate, I'm sorry. My timing. I know it stinks. Which is true, because as we've established, he's, you know, waited way too long. He kind of like, for all we know, like he meant to give this speech that night in the bar in Chicago uh, at, the, at the hotel, you know. Uh, maybe that was the night he was preparing to, to do this. And then he lost his chance, and then he lost it again, and again, and again, and then he realized he couldn't do it, you know, that morning when she was packing her bags into the car, and uh, which again is just like a class, like that's what a he dude from Mayhorn would have do done. It like when Lori Pekarovsky was naked in his hotel room, <laughs> yes, he couldn't do it then either. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He so to- he acknowledges that his timing stinks, and then he says, like, just the again, like, just the most perfect thing that it, like a kind of a not very like verbal dude like hockey bro would say which is i just keep thinking this thing with us it's gonna go away which is such a like again a way to describe like a feeling of love where you're like oh i don't i don't know what this is like uh, maybe it's just like a weird phase a mood i'm in and it'll uh, whatever i'm just gonna keep doing my thing and like it is it is gonna go away she's mm -hmm. leaving tonight yeah, is 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 the point? Mm-hmm. I think he's saying I keep thinking this thing you and I is going to go away, and suddenly now it is going to go away because after this skating performance, she gets on a plane and goes back to the United States, and then Ooh. they'll never see each other again. Wow. So this is it. This is truly like his moment. Maybe he follows that up by saying that if I keep moving and checking, I'll get clear. Mm. Boy, do I love this. <laughs> Who was kind of apprehensive to come to the lesson? Who was like, Ugh, Sunday night, I'd rather be playing uh, Destiny or Halo. No. I would rather not be getting body checked tonight. No. Anyone saying that? Okay. Johnny, you want to help me with this one? Okay. Watch. Can everyone see Charlie Hunter? This is how we body check someone. Um, point your toes at me. See how John was ready there? A lot of players, like who shoots sometimes at home and they shoot sideways. The net's there and you line your feet up with your target instead of pointing your toes at your target. We should point our toes at our target because that's how we skate. You skate towards it, you don't skate sideways. And when we body check, we're gonna learn with our toes facing. If John pushes me this way and he gets a really good hit, I'm up now off my left leg and I'm on to my right leg. And instead of just using my right leg to stop 
and only my right leg. If I point my toes at him, give me a good check. Put your stick on this side, check. Yeah, with your left shoulder. Now I've got both feet to kind of embrace the check, okay? There is nothing he could have said that would fly over her head more. <laughs> he's, he's throwing, like, he may as well just say, I feel like I'm emotionally icing you. Like, she'd be like yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I feel like, like I'm I just, about to do a five-minute major for love. <laughs> if, I just, if I do a high stick and get that Zamboni to pave over you, like, she, all of this is like, it, it's the same to Kate. She doesn't know anything about hockey. She knows yeah. there's a stick and a puck. And he's talking about moving, checking, and getting Moving clear. and checking. Um, getting and, clear, which and, is not, in fact, a Scientology reference. <laughs> yeah, uh, nope. But I, I assume something about, you know, clearing the puck the out of the zone. Deoshi, Ovechkin turns, protects, shoots off a stick, bouncing puck. Backstrom can't handle it. Nick Backstrom again in traffic. A desperate shift. Down goes Backstrom. No arm goes up. Komarov desperately trying to clear the puck. Kadri stripped to the puck by a determined T.J. Oshie. And a long shift in the attacking zone. Here's Ovechkin again. Just missed the net. Backstrom battling in front once more. Leafs will be tired. They've been defending this whole shift. Off the boards. Not out. Orloff kept the puck in. Now he turns to his forehand and shoots a bouncing puck. Backstrom scores! Oh, if I get clear, yep, it means that you, you know, get the puck over the the midline uh, to clear the puck on the ice. Yes, uh, that that is also what I learned from playing NHL '94 for <laughs> yeah, Sega indeed. Genesis for indeed. 20 years of my life. And then Kate says, "Do you understand what I'm telling you?" And obviously, no. I just keep thinking this, this thing with us, it's going to go away. I keep thinking if I can just keep moving and, and, and checking, I'll get clear. But do you understand what I'm telling you? I don't want to fight anymore. No, I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to fight anymore. No, we have to skate. This won't wait. I don't want to fight anymore. And Doug is like, ah, my dumb, 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 dog, dog, dog. <laughs> like, he's like, no, no, I mean, I, I don't want to fight anymore either. Do you understand what I'm telling you? I don't want to fight anymore. No, I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to fight anymore. No, we have to skate. This won't wait. Kate, maybe I wasn't ready. Maybe, maybe you didn't give me much of a chance. Maybe, I don't know. I, I just, I just. And then he's interrupted because the reason this scene is so fucking great is that it's this incredibly intimate, you know, outpouring of emotion, but it is being done in the middle of this cacophony of an Olympic fucking, the final night of an Olympic skating competition with judges reading scores in the background, a giant crowd cheering and applauding. Um, and then, you know, we hear uh, nine six nine three in the background, and then Doug does it. Kate, maybe I wasn't ready. Maybe, maybe you didn't give me much of a chance. Maybe, I don't know. I, I just, I just... Kate, somewhere in the middle of all this, I fell in love with you. You may take the action. I'm saying I love you. I'm saying it out loud. And as soon as he says that, you may take the ice. Because someone, the ushers are trying to get them onto the fucking ice. ice. Um... And yeah, this is this is great writing, right? This incredible. is this is this is part of what we mean by great writing. I think is like yes. setting a love scene, basically in as, a place where a love scene shouldn't be able to happen. Yeah, like forcing like is, a forcing a man to confess his love to a woman to his coworker as they are literally about to take the ice for what is likely to be their last performance ever at the Olympics and she's on the verge of retiring and they'll maybe never see each other again. Yeah. Like just and Doug set won't skate again and his life will probably be like basically over and set the stakes as high as humanly possible. Yeah. It's the fucking it, Olympics. There are no stakes higher than that. This is you're the tight rope, you know, like you're on the edge of a cliff. If this doesn't work out, you fall off the cliff and you die. Like it's just like the stakes are so insanely Super. high. And yeah. the scores they're missing by the way, that are just playing like 
forgotten in the background, nine six, nine seven, nine five. These are the Russian scores. These are their mm-hmm. opponents. These are the people they need to beat. And like Doug is just like, I don't care about any Checked of out. that. They're not even paying attention to their arch rival Russian. That's how much he's like, I have to get this out. I don't care about the skating anymore. I realize that I don't care about Again, hockey. You know that's true because if he was hearing these scores, it would be vomit, 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 vomit <laughs> yeah, everywhere. Absolutely. Just a, right? a wave of puke into a nearby curtain as yeah. people are walking by. But into no, he's, a helmet. Yeah. Yes, into the helmet, into the curtain, just everywhere. But he, and Kate is shocked. There is a teardrop starts to roll down her cheek or tequila somehow splashed in her eye. <laughs> it we could be tequila. It could be tequila. <laughs> it's unclear. It's like, we don't know. We'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. Uh, and Doug says, I'm saying I love you. I'm saying it out loud. Uh, Kate doesn't really acknowledge it. She kind of starts walking towards the ice. Yeah. She's just right. like, I can't fucking deal with this right now. Like, you no. can't you can't do this to me right now. I'm trying to get my game face on, you know, like. Which, let's yeah. be honest, fellas. Is this actually a good time to say this? Like, oh, of course it is. Yeah. It, I mean, in terms of a movie, yes. But if this is like a real life situation, is this the time to do it? I mean, listen, you are, it's, you're playing with fire. It's a high risk, high reward scenario because. If you go out there and you crush the, you know, the the uh, the routine, like you're feeling pretty good. But if you do this and then you guys go out there and you absolutely <laughs> flop, you know, it's gonna the whole experience is gonna be, you know, kind of colored differently. Yeah, um, no, that being I said, I could it. also see like it would yeah. be kind of amazing if they went out and totally flopped and they were just like, <laughs> we don't fucking care. Neither of us really like skating to begin with. You're a hockey player. I hate, I fucking hate figure skating. I've hated my entire life. Let's go get married and live happily ever after doing what we actually enjoy. It's the only time. It's the only time actually yeah. to say this because it's the um, last chance. Doug says, Doug says it. He says that thing about like, this is not a bit. I'm not saying this to try to get you to do some part of a, of, of, of a program, to do some sort of routine or mm-hmm. maneuver. That's mm-hmm. not what this is. This is earnestly me telling you, I know you're leaving the country of France as soon as we f- leave the ice. And this is my last and only opportunity to tell you, like, I love you and I want to be with you regardless of how it goes on the ice totally. yeah. to the point. And to that end, he's like, no, let's not do the dangerous thing. We don't need to do the dangerous okay. thing. Like, yeah. But before he even says that, I also love that Doug says something that I think is true of so many romantic relationships on planet earth. Okay, somewhere in the middle of all this, I fell in love with you. You may take the I'm saying I love you. I'm saying it out loud. Les Don't say we're not right for each other because the way I see it, we might not be right for anybody else. I have to go on. Just shut up a minute. It can't be any harder to stay together than it was to stay apart. Will you wait a minute? Kate. I need you. I need you. Don't say we're not right for each other because the way I see it, we might not be right for anyone else. It oh, can't great be any line. harder to stay together yeah. as it was to stay apart. Kate, I need you. I need oh. you. I mean, that's a that's a, a beautiful little scene. Yeah. The urgency in Doug's voice. He's literally, he's now he's just full on begging her. But not he's in a crying. like he's crying. Yeah. And it's not in a like pathetic, desperate way. It's in a just like I'm just telling you like straight from my heart, like the most bare and 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 you know, naked honesty I can possibly give you, which is that I need you. I need you. Mm-hmm. And of course the entire time he's being interrupted by the ushers. You have to go on thirty you gotta seconds. Go. You gotta go. And he's saying, Will you shut up a minute? Will you wait a minute? <laughs> uh, I love like he's just con- like his big emotional speech is, is constantly being interrupted, which is just perfect, incredible. Let me uh, give you a time code. One thirty three fifty seven. <clears throat> we have the guy staring at them what as he appears says it. to be Paul Bear. <laughs> oh, the clock on my embalming room wall is ticking down. Oh, yes, it won't be long, Bret Hart. 
it won't be long until you walk down the historic aisle of Madison Square Garden and step into the ring with my undertaker. Right as we're talking now, a big black hearse is backing up to the loading dock of the garden. Oh, it's empty, but when it leaves, it'll be full. Oh, yes, with the pieces of a broken heart. <laughs> ben, this is the face of a spooked goblin. Yeah. For those who don't know who I'm referring to, it's w- William Moody, the real-life undertaker who became famous for portraying Paul Bearer, a mortician, who managed some of professional wrestling's biggest stars in the WWF. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that's who this guy completely is to me. He is Paul Bear <laughs> holding his urn, <laughs> and he is watching this scene unpl- like fo- yeah. unfold yeah. like a He's just trying to do his goblin. job, which is to get these Olympic figure skaters onto the Olympic ice skating rink. Yeah, and he's now suddenly movie. stuck in a in, in the middle of a in the crosshairs. Uh, oh, yeah, yes. a movie job. This man, I can tell. This guy is essentially a stage manager. Yeah, this guy's whole job is get people on the ice after a lot of time for like TV ad breaks, and he's witnessing two people that arguably this has got to be the biggest moment in television history too. Oh yeah. Like the people watching at home have just seen the Russians. They've seen Brian. There's only one performance left. So yeah. everyone this is the is final show of the night. Yeah. Two, and this man, the undertaker <laughs> is like, Oh my God, they're not going. They're not listening to me. Yeah. They're talking about love. Yeah. This guy looks like he's like, I'm going to get so fired if I don't get the. Oh, life. this man has been preparing for this <laughs> night just as much as Kate and Doug have for the past two years of his life. This is the biggest moment. And uh, Doug, as usual, showing complete uh, disdain and indifference toward arena staff, uh, just completely shuts him down and uh, continues on with his, you know. It's interesting because, like, I know we've all been watching, rewatching old, like, clips of Olympic figure skating that we grew up watching, Tanya Harding, you know, Nancy Kerrigan, and... Uh, I feel like we really knew who this Usher guy was because this guy was always around. Oh, like, yeah, he it, was in the like, background, yeah. Like, every time you would watch, you know, figure skating at the Olympics, this was not someone that, that they were trying to hide. This was always someone, it's like the stage manager at the play who was, yeah. like, sort of ushering the children onto the ice and, you know, saying, like, okay, now it's your turn. This was never someone that was, like, hiding behind the scenes. And I always <laughs> felt like this was someone that, like, a hot mic was picking up, a yeah. camera was picking up. You would see this person, you know, escorting the the uh, performers onto the ice. Mm. The exasperated mm-hmm. breath this man gives at the end, like blows his cheeks up like a puffer fish and then yep. exhales a level of just like you see his soul leave his body. This man is very, yeah. very happy that this is the last skater of the night. He is like, my job is done. He knows yeah. he's like, I got them on the ice. Everything after this does not matter to me. He does not care. He's like, yeah. thank He's God. not going to be able to tell his boss, like, I tried, but he was yeah. pouring his heart out to his partner yeah. and telling her that he loved her. So, oh God, you know there's it's a gonna be like, director you fucking, screaming in You his blew it. <laughs> yes. Oh, blowing a gasket. <laughs> blowing <laughs> a gasket. <laughs> what the yeah. fuck is happening? Get <laughs> 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 the fuck out <laughs> there. <laughs> the fucking ice. And like, this guy is just and on <laughs> shitting his pants. <laughs> He's radioing back to his boss, you know, yeah. Doug just confessed I'm his trying. love. What do you want me to do? I told them it's time. They're You're not fucking doing... fired. She's crying tequila. He's yeah. he's uh, confessed his love. Yeah. Oh my God, the, the director's like, do you know how many fucking sports Emmys I have? So many. Get them on the ice. You can listen to Switch. 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 Switch